how do we start this? So, Thomas. Huh? So, Thomas. What? I heard you did oh a lot of reading. Oh, my goodness, Olivia. I've done so much reading this week. This week. <laughs> this all week. All right. All week all long. Week, all week long. This week as in... <laughs> I dropped out of university to study this week's topic. Wow, that's... I know. Dedication. I know. Ladies and gentlemen, technical difficulties beyond our control are delaying our presentation. Now, good morning to everyone in my night audience. Station operates on a frequency of 1,460. So, what did you do a lot of reading on? I did a lot of reading on food. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh my chubby cheeks very love food. Cool. All right. Ooh, very awesome. So today, Tell me all about it. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the wonderful history behind certain foods, things we like to enjoy stuffing our faces. Uh, an interesting fact, did you know a TV dinner is not actually food? It's just something pretending to be food. You ever had a TV dinner? I have had a TV yeah, dinner, but food. I mean, isn't it like peas and steak in a microwaveable... Yeah, but that's not, f- that's not food. It's, it's just matter pretending to be food. So first we're going to talk about potatoes. Yeah. Mm, what, potatoes. what do you know about potatoes historically? Oh, actually, I learned something about potatoes yesterday oh. having to do with Russians. Oh. And oh man, oh man, I'm not going to say it yet because you might say it. But if you don't, I'm definitely going to add it in right after this. I doubt it. No, I did not include anything with Russians. So enlighten me at the end. How about you enlighten me at the end? Mm, you can bring that. At the end. Tell me your potato story right. and then I will tell you my potato <clears throat> All story. All right. Well. In 1532, a group of Spanish conquistadors were wandering around Peru looking for gold when they came across an Incan citizens eating this weird round thing. Potatoes. So they took the potatoes, they took them home with them to to Europe, and it spread like everybody loved potatoes. But not really. They actually weren't that popular. They were. It's kind of funny. So, wherever a potato was introduced, it was considered a weird, poisonous, and downright evil food. So, in France, the potato was accused of causing not only leprosy, but syphilis, narcosis, scrofula, early death, sterility, ramp- <laughs> and rampant sexuality. <laughs> of course. And of destroying the soil where it grew. There was a lot... Yeah, they didn't, they didn't like potatoes anywhere. There's a nice little quote by a sort of anonymous kind of guy. He said, In the view of the fact that the potato is a pernicious substance whose use can cause leprosy, it is hereby forbidden, under pain of fine, to cultivate it. It's a potato. Calm down. <laughs> it's a harmless little it's potato. It's a harmless little potato. I'm going off the rails right here. But I've got a story to tell you. Back in Cadets, they used to serve potatoes with every single meal summer camp do you know why oh man do you know why why i don't know if this is true or not I... but we, we all believed it is that it would calm down your 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 sexual nerves your urges it would calm you down it would make you not horny what yeah it would yeah no way somebody fact check that because we all believed it I feel like that's not a thing, but, <laughs> but just it's... the fact that you believe it is like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. So you're like, well, it must calm down my nerves. It must calm down my sexual desires. Yeah, exactly. So that's how I'm feeling. But when you got... If you believe it hard enough, it becomes true. Well, when you got a thousand teenagers, lock them away together for six weeks, what's going to happen? You know, it's... 
It is, yeah. it is what it is. Things happen. So, we're going off the rails here. Alright, when the potato was introduced to England, it was presented to Queen Elizabeth I as a gift. So, these potatoes can be served at a banquet, and it would be included in every single dish. The problem is when they took the potatoes to the cooks, the cooks had no idea what the hell these things were. So, how were they supposed to cook it? So, they didn't. They threw them away. And they just replaced it with some boiled stems and leaves, which was poisonous. And everybody in the court got sick, deathly sick, and potatoes were banned. <laughs> disgusting, disgusting. Potatoes. I like to imagine that, though. That's actually, like, the exact same thing that happened in Russia. <laughs> like, they, the potatoes were given to them as a gift. Potatoes actually didn't grow in Russia, Russia before mm-hmm. they were given to them as gifts. And no one really knew how to deal with the potatoes. So what did they do? They cooked the stems and they ate the stems, which are highly poisonous yeah. because they're full of selenium. And um, essentially what would happen was everyone got really sick. Um, the entire country banned potatoes. But as they banned potatoes, what happened was... Um, they forced the peasants to burn their crops. So they burnt all the crops down. And as they were tilling the soil to pull the potatoes out of the ground, they realized that as they were pulling the potatoes out of the ground, the potatoes underneath were cooked. So they started eating those and they're like, wow, this is wonderful. And there, hence the potato. (laughs) I got a weird tingling feeling. It must be syphilis. The rumors were true. (laughs) I'd like to point out, by the way, that... This is the second episode, and it also includes Elizabeth I. And I f- it do- mine includes Elizabeth I as well. <laughs> I think we need to keep this. I think every every episode we gotta somehow lead back to Elizabeth in some way. At least one of us, you know, keep I, that going. Yeah, totally. We need to make sure <laughs> we have to be like, and in the end, it all links back to this lady because she is just the center of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, those are some fun little stories about potatoes. We're going to move on now to lobster. I'm sure I'm sure you know this one. Yeah. Ooh, mate. Uh, probably. probably. I feel like I know where you're going with no, this, no. but go for it. I will let you say. All right. Well, when you think of lobsters today, what do you think of? Very fancy dishes, expensive things you eat on special occasions, things that you eat when there's like a plate with a bell over it and then a butler comes and serves it to you and lobster, goes your lobster ma'am <laughs> lobster. lobster have you noticed in cartoons the lobsters always have like monocles and top hats oh my gosh it's true eh i never noticed that until you just pointed well, it now out you're not and now gonna... in retrospect it's just coming back now to you me. can't get it out of your head it's going to be there every time no, you see it i'm going to be thinking about lobsters with monocles all day <laughs> So, before 1850, lobsters were literally the lowest human, like, you don't eat it. You don't eat lobster. Low status, the worst of the worst people ate lobster. You were the lowest form of society if you ate lobster. There was, there was such an abundance of lobster. They would wash on shore. There were so many of them. There would just be mountains and mountains and mountains of lobster just roll, crawling all over each other. They would feed them to the slaves, prisoners, servants. In fact, prisoners used to complain about being treated so badly that they were fed lobster. They considered it oh, wow. they, were, they considered it a human rights violation because they had to eat lobster. That intense. Yes. 
Wow. They saw lobsters as garbage. They saw them as the roaches of the sea. And when you look at a lobster, yeah, they're kind of gross. I mean, uh, yeah. There are many legs and they're... No, they were considered... And they're eating all the gross stuff at the bottom of the ocean. Exactly. So if you were walking down the street and you saw a house with lobster shells outside of it, those were poverty-stricken people. They were gross. You don't talk to them. Come on, kids, keep walking. You don't want to play with them anymore. They eat lobster. The horror. (laughs) The horror. So... You might as well eat garbage. People would people people just wouldn't eat it. They would feed it to like animals, you know, just toss it on the ground. It's it's basically the equivalent to eating bugs today, in a way. You know? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, you know what just to put it into perspective of how disgusting yeah. lobsters were back then. And they were huge too. They were really they were like three times the size of our largest lobsters today. You don't eat that, that's gross. Ew. So, I think one of the reasons they were so grotesquely disgusting is because they would cook them wrong as well. They would kill them like fish. They would fish them, fish them, lob, you know, and they would kill them. And then they would sit there dead for a few hours or a few days, you know? They didn't know you were supposed to cook them fresh, live, or immediately after death. They didn't know that. So it would lose all of its flavor. Uh, and it probably tasted rotten as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, mm, yummy. how did lobsters go from dirt poor to expensive? Do you know? Any idea what to tell me, sir? Tell you. Ah, oh, I want to hear you guess. It's fun. Okay. My guess is that it has something to do with the demand of lobster, could it be? No. Or like there was suddenly less lobster? No. No. Really? No. Okay, tell me then. Railways. Trains. Railways. Railroad tycoons realized people who did not live on the coast, who had never seen lobster before, didn't know they were disgusting. And you could buy you could buy the truckload for pennies. So they would serve lobster to the rich. And they loved them. And they also discovered how to cook wow, them properly. Wow, what genius. Yeah, they also discovered how to cook them properly. Mm-hmm. So this was around the 1850s. Restaurants started serving lobster as appetizers to go with your salad, you know, it started becoming popular. There there wasn't fewer lobster. It was just, it was just becoming popular. They realized, okay, maybe they're not disgusting. Mm -hmm. But the stigma stuck around. It's, it's, in the 1930s, in Maine, Maine of all states, still treated lobster like trash. Well, because Maine is the lobster state as well, Mm -hmm. eh? And it was, during the Great Depression, people would sneak onto the beach grab a lobster and quickly run back to their house and they would they would hide they would hide eating their lobsters like even though we know you're starving you don't want to be seen eating this thing and this was the 30s there are probably people still alive today who had to do this as kids and it wasn't until after the war where lobsters started becoming really popular because there, there it wasn't rationed there was no ration on lobster so everything was rationed except for that. You could have tons of that. You could have that, as much of that as you want. So it was like, oh my god, num, 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 num. I'm, you know, it's great. But you know, you know, it was cat food. Lobster had cat food in the '60s. Yeah, they used to serve it to their cats. What kind of rich ass oh bastards. God. Like <laughs> <laughs> that. It's a fancy ass cat. Exactly. There are still sig- There's still a bit of today. There's still some people today who think lobsters 
disgusting. You don't touch that. Not surprising, but there's still loads of people like that today. And now we're on to the last topic. This one I got straight from a TV show, but it's so good. I just... I. <laughs> so, Olivia, why did it take 300 years for the giant tortoise to get its Latin name? I don't know. Why? Because they kept eating them. But it's it's so much deeper than that. The sailors, we ate them all. They, they never made it back to England to be studied because they would get eaten. They were preposterously delicious. They were amazing. Even Charles Darwin couldn't stop himself from eating his own... He would eat them. <laughs> he hated his own specimen. Can you imagine, though, you finally get to London, you walk downstairs of your ship and go, finally, here's the... And there's just that one guy... Oh, crap. <laughs> oh, Shit. All right, turn the ship around. We got to go back. There's not many descriptions of how they tasted, but comparing them to chicken, beef, mutton, and butter, it's better than all those, and it said whoever has eaten it has never enjoyed, has never loved something that's ever come close to how delicious those things were. You could eat all of it. Wow. The bone marrow, the meat, the skin, everything was just absolutely delicious. And they had a special kind of bladder that filtered water that's drinkable. So when you would cut it open, it would drain into a cup about a gallon of fresh water. So you would have your meal and a fresh drink to go with it. What in the heck? Okay. They, it it <laughs> keeps going. There's I'm more. To understand. There's more. They would stack them. In the ships, on top of each other, so they couldn't move, and they didn't need to eat. They could go months without eating. It's no. This is literally the perfect, the perfect animal to domesticate. Oh yeah, like begging, begging, to be eaten, begging. You can't, you can't eat any, any today. It's a life goal of mine to try one, but they're protected animals. Oh my god, protected from me. Illegal, illegal. Yeah, you know. I'd be all over that. Protected from you, because if you ate one, you'd eat all, <laughs> you'll eat all of them. So, there's one turtle, tortoise, Adawaitia, something like that. It's a weird name. It was a tortoise from India, a giant, giant tortoise from India, that died in 2006. And he was born in 1750. He lived to be 255 years old. He was older than Mozart. Marie Antoinette, he was born before the Seven Years' War and died after the invention of YouTube and Facebook. Wow. Yeah. He survived the knife and fork. And I'm assuming because they live so long, they don't reproduce as much. So there's a much smaller mm -hmm. population of tortoise, mm -hmm. which is probably why they're also protected. Because yeah. imagine if that meat is better than any meat that you've ever had in your life. Plus, it gives you fresh drinks of water. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you know, that that goes quickly. That goes quickly in, in countries that don't have a lot exactly. of food or water. I just like the idea that Charles Darwin himself couldn't stop himself. Just Oh, I know. <laughs> this man who's like, the evolution of man. And he's like, oh, I must. I must try. I got tortoise in my beard. <laughs> oh, my God. He probably actually did. That's the funny thing. Okay, I'm going to pronounce this. I'm going to end it on this. They actually did finally come Can't up with me. a Latin name. One survived. Kelono idis, C-H-E-L-O-N-O-I-D-I-I-S, Nigra. 
N I G R A. Okay. Calonoidis nigra. No idea. I'm not Latin. I practiced that. I don't think anyone is. No, I, but the worst thing is I practiced that <laughs> and I still failed miserably. That's okay. Sorry to any All Romans Latin listening to are... this. <laughs> Me. <laughs> I do not approve. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. So that is that. That is food throughout history. Awesome. There's a lot more I could What about. Hmm? No, 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 go for it. No, I was going to say there's a lot more I could have done, but I just shortened it to those three because I didn't want to drag on forever. Mm. You know, there's so much. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Very nice. I give you a round of applause. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so. So. What I want to know about the history of food is the origins of pastas. Pastas. Because, well, as is heard very often, it's always, well, the Italians, they didn't no. invent pasta. It wasn't the Italians invented pasta. It's the Chinese. It's the people on the Asian continent who invented pasta noodles first and then that was brought back and then pasta was invented mm. but what i want to know and it's okay if you don't have the answer to this it's just a question that i'm putting out into the world i want to know if just like let's say bread like flour and water mixed together cooked in the oven you get a certain kind of bread every continent every culture every country has their own variant of bread every country that has wheat or any grain that could be turned to flour has a variant of bread so we can maybe state that bread is not something that belongs to anybody there's different kinds of bread everywhere so would that be the same idea with pasta did pasta kind of happen in Italy and in Asia? But Because in Asia, it's rice noodles, correct? And they also have wheat noodles, obviously, but there's rice noodles, there's wheat noodles. They're different kinds of pastas. Italy took that pasta, changed it into different shapes. So did they really get inspired from the noodles in Asia or did they already have their own kind and then shapes varied what was going on there that would be something interesting to know do you know the answer do i know the answer uh i'm pretty sure it was the mongols that invented noodles okay but i can't support my case here because that's a lot mm, that's a lot we should, that goes deep we should that's should take a look at that and then that. ooh, shameless plug shameless plug oh, no. shameless plug oh, no. And we could post it on our website, drydink.ca, that goes live. <laughs> oh, no. Well, that already went live by the time you're listening to this episode. Or, or you could look on our Twitter. We can post that on our Twitter, can't we? We can, we can. definitely. And that is... At drydink. At drydink podcast. At drydink podcast. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, come follow We're us. both I, Olivia, and you, Thomas, yeah, come, do post. Come follow us. We need friends. We have no friends. That's why we're doing this. Exactly. This is why we have a our meeting once a week where we discuss history like nerds mm -hmm. after spending the entire week at school also studying history so it's never ending much like history please follow us we have no friends <laughs> all right so are we ready to move on to lady olivia and yes we are what are we learning about today and i too like you dropped out of school this week to do my <laughs> research on this topic it was a mistake wasn't it oh it was it was not a mistake <laughs> never a mistake to drop out of school to study for the podcast <laughs> so this week 
what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be taking a deep dive into myths. Myths. Now, funnily enough, before I started researching my topic for this week, I didn't actually realize that I would be talking about myths, but the evidence just kept piling up and well, here we are. So today, I will be talking about medieval torture devices. Ooh. And the myths that go along with those. So medieval torture devices that aren't actually medieval in any way, shape, or form. And okay, now I know, I know, what a buzzkill, right? We've all seen the movies, we've all read the books, and we've all been to museums that depict all these cast iron objects straight out of a serial killer's wet dream. (laughs) But to burst your bubble, half of those objects aren't real at all. And some of them are even super regular objects that are twisted into this nightmarish form. So to start us off, I'm going to give a little super simplified European historical background so that we could place ourselves on the timeline. Yes? Yes. So. All right. We have classical antiquity, which is the Greeks, the Romans, Plato, philosophers, mathematicians, the Egyptians and the pyramids, the burning of the Library of Alexandria. (laughs) That's... That's category number one. Why would you break that up? (laughs) The horror. Oh, I'm so sad. The worst element of history. This video is a medieval torture. This podcast is a medieval torture. Oh my god. Okay, so after the um, burning of the Library of Alexandria, we have the Middle Ages. That spanned from, well, way after the burning of the library, but we have the Middle Ages after classical antiquity. Uh, that spanned from 500 AD, about, um, to 1492. <laughs> Editing Olivia here. Uh, I said that the Middle Ages end in 1492, but that is actually very contested. Uh, we don't know exactly when the Middle Ages end for sure. Not all historians on- agree on this fact, and so therefore it is safer to say that the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, well, the end of the Middle Ages and the beginning of the renaissance kind of interlock so one melds into the other and the beginning of the renaissance kind of looks like the end of the middle ages and the end of the middle ages kind of looks like the beginning of the renaissance okay thank you you can keep listening where the roman empire had just fallen paganism was a big no-no the big religions like christianity and islam really started to establish themselves and they began persecuting the jews Something that would continue for millennia and millennia. And up until very recently with a certain he who shall not be named. Anything that was considered going against religion or being a different religion was seen as extremely bad. Hence the Islamic spread into Spain and Portugal and of course the Crusades. After the Middle Ages is the Enlightenment and the early modern period, which spanned from the 1500s to the 1800s, where people began to think about things again that weren't strictly religious. So there was a Protestant Reformation that we spoke about last episode, led by Martin Luther, who really hated the way the Catholic Church was doing things. There were scientific inventions like the printing press. Yeah, Mr. Gutenberg. (laughs) Uh, The telescope and microscope allowed thinkers like Galileo and Isaac Newton to make huge advances in the realms of mathematics, physics, astronomy, and engineering, as well as artistic advances that we saw with Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and all of the other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This period also saw the likes of Queen Elizabeth I, 
Shakespeare, the Sun King, Louis XVI, and many, many others. This being said, although the people of the Renaissance may have been making many, many technological discoveries, they viewed their thinking going from irrational to rational. So any practice that was deemed to be irrational, such as superstition, sexual deviance, and antisocial behavior, was completely demonized and anyone who was irrational was shunned. So if you had any weird, bizarre thoughts that weren't very nicely aligned with the Enlightenment thinking, you weren't a good part of society and you should be pushed aside. Um, So contrary to what we believe because of pop culture, these things that were seen as diabolical behaviors in the Renaissance were still seen as unfortunate and, and bad in the Middle Ages, but nobody was actually really that irked by it. Or at least there's not much evidence to suggest that these people were persecuted for having bizarre behaviors, such as irrationality, let's say. Obviously, irrationality that doesn't have to do with paganism because that was one of the main persecuted things that were being persecuted in the Middle Ages. So even the persecution of witches wasn't actually happening in the Middle Ages yet. The concept that a witch existed wasn't a concept that existed yet. Um, And it was actually happening during the early modern period. So now, it seems to me as if people were changing too quickly for their own moral compasses, right? So like they, half of their soul was ready for new adventures and thoughts while the other half wanted to ensure that there was no room, zero room for backwards behavior. And like ironically, making them play this blame game of demonizing all those who apparently think irrational thoughts. Right. And like, remember last episode when I was talking about blemishes coming to the surface of your skin when you have lewd, irrational thoughts? Same concept. Mm -hmm. So you can see why this is a problem. Yeah. There was advancement, but not like that. Right. You have to advance, but in the way that we tell you to advance. So people were policed and they were punished harshly for thinking non-enlightened thoughts And so at this point, like, the Renaissance kind of feels more like how we view the Middle Ages than the actual Middle Ages, right? Like, the stereotype of Middle Ages isn't actually in the Middle Ages. It's more in, like, the Renaissance, the early modern period with Queen Elizabeth I. And we all tie it back to Our Lady. (laughs) Yeah. Now this is two references to Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) God. I think um, yeah, we're, we're starting off on a minutes. solid foot with our uh, <laughs> with our goal. I don't know how we're going to incorporate it next week, but we'll find out. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll find something, I'm sure. Okay, so now, why am I giving you this timeline? Like, hello, start talking about the devices, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. I want to hear about exactly. people being tortured. <laughs> Gosh, why aren't you Come talking? <laughs> So I'm getting there, I'm getting there. The reason why I gave the timeline is because most of the myths about the Middle Ages came from people living during the Renaissance and the early modern period. And I think it's really interesting to know that because it makes us wonder why, right? So, okay, now for the torture devices. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's hear something. One of the devices that is talked about really, really often that I had never heard about before researching this, so 
sucks for me, um, is the pair of anguish. Have you ever heard of the pair of anguish, sir? I have heard of the pair of anguish. Well, so you know what the pair of anguish looks like. You're telling me it's not real. You're telling me. I I am telling, this one's actually the most interesting out of all of them, which is why I started with it. So you know what the pair of anguish looks like, right? Yeah. For those who don't know what the pair of anguish looks like, I recommend looking it up. It essentially is like a pair that opens up spring-loaded. And the story goes that the pair was inserted into the orifices of sexual deviants or into their mouths. And it was progressively stretched open to create tears in the skin, causing great pain, and therefore it was torturous. People in, fun fact, people in BDSM today actually make replicas of this pair. I'm just going to say there's people who pay good money for that sort of thing these days. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Anyways, so... Research shows that the pairs, um, so the pairs were spring-loaded, right? So contrary to popular belief, where people thought that you can screw the pair and slowly it opens up, that's actually not how they were made. They were made with springs, so you pulled the little latch on top and it would just open up all at once. And yeah, and the springs were actually too weak to push the pair open if you were holding it closed so like let's say if it was in your mouth or it was in another orifice that i will leave up to your imagination and it was the little lever was pulled well the spring wouldn't actually be strong enough to push anything open it was a very weak spring coiled springs were actually only invented in 1763 as well so something's fishy about this whole situation right Mm -hmm. Clearly, this pair wasn't made in medieval period because it, it has springs and springs didn't exist back then. Plus, because it had a spring and the springs were really weak, anytime it was put into anything, it's not, it would just stay closed. Like, it didn't really open, right? So, begs the question. Begs the question. A lot of people think that the, um, it was either, it was a sock warmer or a glove, a mitten warmer, where they would um, open the pair and they would put a hot coal inside of it then they would close the pair and put the pair in a mitten or in a sock and then when they were ready to wear the mitten or the sock they would take the pair out and then pull the lever and the and the coal would shoot out because the spring would essentially push it out (laughs) some people also think that it might be a dentist device but that's contested because once again like it's not really useful. Like someone could just hold their mouths open kind of thing during dental surgery. But yeah. Can I, can I cut you off here for a second? Yes, you, you can. Said, you said it was used for warming things, right? That mm-hmm. reminds me of those heating pans. You know, you put hot coals in it and you put it under your bed to warm. Mm-hmm. Who? I'm imagining someone going, yeah, that was shoved inside someone as a torture device. That's exactly <laughs> it, though. The giant pan. That he used to put under the bed. Yes, that goes in the mouth. That is exactly what we shall be using. But it was just, it was like a little, it was. Anything else. No. And it's hilarious because this was apparently made in the 
mid 1700s so the people who were like making comments on this about being a torture device were literally living like 50 years after these claims were made right (laughs) so it's kind of like remember when i was talking to you about the whole like um in england they have three jars one for salt one for pepper and one for who knows what because no one ever labeled it that's what it reminds me of like someone just had that object the pair was probably out of use and no one really knew what it was and they looked at it and they were like yep that that's uh that you could shove that into something that's what annoys me about history sometimes is people look at things and go ah yes religious object what if Mm -hmm. what if a thousand years from now you know humanity suddenly dies out except for a few people we rebuild and we come across an old wrecked house and they find a fidget spinner you know? Oh my God! It is it is a ah yes a ritualistic symbol. object. It's, it's a sign of the gods. This person had oh, a drawer yes. full of them. This person must have been religious. This person must it's have been really concept, important you know? in their society. Same, <laughs> same concept. I, I love that. I love when they I love when they find things that we thought were historically like religious over the years and go, oh no, that was just a thing that they used. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Next torture device, are you ready, is the Iron Maiden, which is an upright coffin with spikes in it that you're supposed to close a person in. Um, It's also very fake, and there is absolutely no evidence of this ever being used in real life. The only time we thought one existed was when this writer in the 18th century claimed that he saw someone die in it in Nuremberg. But that was also debunked, but obviously not before a bunch of sideshows and museums started displaying fake ones, right? Because where there is profit to be made, myths keep happening. That's the point. Exactly. Next is the brazen bull. And I feel like you've spoken you keep to bring... me about this. I have talking to you about the brazen bull. Oh, the don't tell me the brazen bull is bull's also fake. fake. <laughs> it's, yeah. Come on. I know it's such a buzzkill. I didn't. I didn't mean this episode to be like this. I expected it to be like, "Did you know this? Did you know that?" But no, everything's fake. So the brazen brazen bull bull was so cruelly cool, though. It was. It was. (laughs) Do you want to explain what the brazen bull is? You can explain what the brazen bull is. Okay, so the brazen bull is this hollow metal statue of a bull, where there's a door that someone can fit inside of the bull and then you'd close the door on them and light a fire underneath the bull so that they can slowly roast to death and there's been no evidence no archaeological evidence for this apparently saint eustace 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 um he was martyred in this way but once again like no physical evidence exists so you know it's it's questionable we don't know if it exists it probably doesn't it's kind of like okay very controversial statement but like it's kind of like jesus no one has actually ever found archaeological evidence of this so everyone's kind of just like ah, i don't know it kind of maybe doesn't exist but we don't want to talk too much about it because we don't know because now that you mention it i remember it was on the island of Crete, right? That's where the brazen bull was. And I remember there's a lot of detail behind it, how it was a musical instrument as well. You forget, yeah, you forgot to mention that, where you would uh, you would lean forward and there would be pipes to breathe through, and it would sound like a bull screaming, and people would gather around going, "Oh, it's magical!" But there's actually a person inside of it roasting to. Oh man, that's such a. Oh, can you imagine having nowhere to go with your legs and feet? 
everywhere. Oh, oh yes. Ooh, it's <laughs> it's such a cool one, but, but once again, doesn't it's back, it's one of those things that. It, back to my back to my point though. Yeah. In the detailed history, quote unquote, it's the the owner or the owner, but the builder who designed it uh, got in to test it. And the king closed it and lit the fire, and that's how he died. You know, mm-hmm. ah, it works, as you can see from the. the guy. He died how of his own invention, that? but see, that's a thing. Like you know? because. But, but how do we know that? So it's one of those things that it's really fun to believe that exists, that it existed, but we don't know. I'm sorry, Damn it, but the next one, the next one is a myth, but not a myth. So be prepared. Ooh. We're getting more and more okay. real as we continue. So, okay, good. do you know what rat torture yes. is? Yes, I know what rat torture is. Okay, so I will explain it real quick. So, rat torture is essentially where they put rats in a ceramic pot or a pot of any sort, and then they put the pot on the victim with the mouth against the person's abdomen, and then they would light the the ceramic pot, they would heat it up so that the rats would be trying to escape because it's getting really hot in the pot, and then the rats would be scratching and biting and gnawing their way through the person's stomach, essentially. And although this was not used in medieval times, or there's no evidence to suggest it was used in medieval times, it was used in the 1960s to the 1980s in South America, specifically in Chile, Argentina, Brazil, and Uruguay, Mm. as torture. Mm. So it existed, it happened, but not in the Middle Ages. Mm. Good! Mm. That makes me glad. um, yeah, not really. That's during the dictatorships. No, so disclaimer, not disclaimer. That was a joke. I am not glad people were killed this way. <laughs> Ooh, yes, I I sense the sarcasm. I'm kind of concerned how I know every single one you've then, mentioned so far. Let's keep going. All right. So, do you know what the breaking wheel? Yes, is? I know what the breaking wheel is. Well. We're continuing our trend. So the braking wheel is essentially a wheel of a cart or a carriage of some sort. And this also existed. Mm-hmm. And the first evidence of it being used... Okay, so this is contested because the first evidence of it being used in England was in 1589. But the first evidence of it being used ever in the world was in ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where in modern europe it was only used later on did they know it existed and didn't use it we don't know it wasn't written down so it's one of those things to be left up to conjecture but in england the first reported case of it being used was in 1589 so oh i didn't explain what it was was so the breaking wheel you get tied to the wheel and since if you imagine a wheel the wheel's round and it has spokes correct and then you're tied to the wheel and your arm is perpendicular to a spoke and they whack your arm so that it breaks against the spokes of the wheel. Yeah. Or your legs or your limbs or whatever. So not fun times. The pillory, I know you know what the pillory is as well. Mm-hmm. And the pillory is essentially a wooden the wooden board that you put your hands and your head in or you get tied to it. And this actually was used in the Middle Ooh. Ages, but it wasn't a torture no, device. It was... it was used to publicly yes. humiliate you in the plaza yes. in front of all your friends so that you can repent for your sins. It's so the kids can throw tomatoes at you. Exactly. Wow, kids. Then, then we have the chastity belt, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you know what no that idea. is as well. Oh, let me, let me <laughs> enlighten you. So... Pretty sure I have one of those in my... Wow. wow. 
Don't don't say it too loud. <laughs> ting ting ting. <laughs> so it's an iron underwear, and sometimes it's adorned with spikes that women apparently wore when their crusader husbands were away. Wasn't actually used. Um, There wasn't actually any evidence suggesting that women were to have worn these belts. And if women actually wore these belts, they would die in, like, basically die from infection because of the belt rubbing against them. And they didn't have the proper treatments to, you know, cure Mm. infections. So they would probably die if they wore a chastity belt. Uh, So essentially, and but the thing is with a chastity belt, it's a special case because there are a lot of stories um, depicting this belt in history. Just a lot of people were speaking about the belt being a thing and explaining and with the whole um, mortification of the flesh in the Middle Ages, it doesn't seem so far off. Like remember last episode, I was talking about the horsehair jackets. Well, it's just, it's kind of the same idea. Like, I can understand why people believed it, but once again, it's not something that has ever been really found archaeologically, and it's not something that people believe um, was used at the time because of just its impracticality. And, you know, it just doesn't work. Then, yeah. the most real of the torture devices <gasps> is the rack. the rack. Do you know what the rack is? It's, of course I know what the rack is. Explain it. You gotta ex- Louise. It's it's me for God's sake. So the, I know, I know. You have to say no, Olivia. I have no idea what the rack is. What's the rack, Olivia? I've. I will tell right. you. So the rack is a frame where you are in the center of the frame, and your arms are tied to the top two corners, and your legs are tied to the bottom two corners, and. Essentially, you're being pulled and pulled and stretched and stretched. Your arms are going up and your legs are going down and you're being stretched and stretched and pulled and pulled. And that was a form of torture. This was actually invented in 1447. So, woohoo! Our first actual medieval torture device. The only other torture devices... Oh, Also, by the way, the rack was one of Queen Elizabeth I's favorite kind of torture devices. So, our lady back at it. She did, she did. But never married because they were never good enough (laughs) after she stretched them out. They could, for some reason, they just couldn't stand up afterwards. (laughs) So, the only other torture devices that are actually documented to get confessions out of heretics during the Middle Ages were the strapado which tied the victim's hands behind their back and then you suspended them from that rope that was tied around their hands in the air. So essentially they had to like, their shoulders would often dislocate. It wasn't comfortable. Anyways, all these things, if you want to look more into it, go for it because there are, there is much information on it. But yeah, so and another medieval torture method that actually existed was forced hydration, which essentially they would force people to drink water and it would make them drown. It's kind of like waterboarding, but less fancy. So a little aside that I noticed when I was looking up the rack that made me that came into my mind was being hung, drawn and quartered, which was also medieval and happened to William Wallace, as we can see in the famous movie Braveheart. Um, and it happened during King Henry III's time on the throne. This is when it kind of started happening. And essentially what being hung, drawn, and quartered is, 
is you're being brought to the execution site tied in a frame that's very similar to a rack and then they were removed from the frame hung until they were dead and then only after they were dead were they disemboweled and cut into four pieces so no not a method of torture but you know still destroying a corpse and there were stories of people being alive while being drawn though what they would do what they would do is they would cut you open and they would take your intestines and they would put it against a wheel, right? And I think they would hammer it to a wheel and they would spin the wheel and all your intestines would slowly come out like a link of sausages and start spinning around. And you would have to sit there and watch your intestines being dragged out. Yeah. Hmm. Fun times. Yeah, I believe that because I think it also depended on the severity of your crime in what order it would be done so if you had a really severe crime well you would be tortured more before you died less severe crime you would be killed and then you would have your corpse mutilated essentially so you wouldn't be around to see it but because your corpse is mutilated you wouldn't go to heaven essentially your soul would be tortured for eternity Mm. so in mini conclusion Um, torture devices did exist in medieval times, but they were just far less inventive. They were far less creative than those that the people in the early modern period were doing. So why on earth did these people so vehemently insist that all these torture methods clearly invented in their own time period or a hundred years prior were not their doing? So, like, why were the Middle Ages so intensely demonized by these people in the Renaissance and early modern period? Why do you think? Because they weren't seen as enlightened, I would say. They were seen seen as a backwaters kind of time. And they gotta, you gotta ump those numbers Mm -hmm. up so you can go, oh, we're sophisticated now. Look at us. Ooh. You know? Mm -hmm. It's why we talk about people in the 1800s. We talk about them being uneducated and stuff like that. No, not really. They had what they had. They... They were, they were geniuses with what they knew, yeah. And a hundred years from now, we're going to be we're going to be stupid. Exactly, so. and in the end, I mean, people in the early modern period were very much they were above the animalistic ways of torture and all these things. So even if they were inventing these devices, it was like okay, let's blame it on somebody else so that we're not <laughs> seen as animals were not seen as not enlightened because that was as i said before that's like a very bad thing to be if you are thinking irrationally and doing all these stupidities well you are clearly not enlightened right another thing that i kind of mentioned earlier is that i mean myths they they absolutely thrive where there's profit to be made right so Freak shows, circuses, carnivals, my gosh, they lapped that up. They were like, yes, let us show off all these torture devices and have absolutely no historical background to it, but they're curiosities, they're things. I mean, Ripley's Believe It or Not in Toronto, same idea. Like you walk in and you're just, whoa, whoa, what the heck? Ew, gross, what's that? Same idea. So the wilder the idea, the wilder the torture device, the more profit there is to be made, right? Because everyone's going to come to see the Iron Maiden. Also, I think like the, so in the Victorian era, um, it was very macabre, right? There was a lot of dark supernatural tendencies people wanted to know the darkest workings of villains and anything else that makes you think like halloween Mm -hmm. 
and typical Victorian. That's basically it. And they just took a curiosity in it. And in their minds, it was like, well, no, impossible that the enlightened people invented this. This must be the works of the medieval times, the dark ages, the ones who did not know anything, the ones that were so terribly just ridiculous in their thoughts. It must be them who made them, exactly. right? So, yeah, that's that's kind of fun. where I went with my research. Excellent. I think we learned a lot. I'm pissed off now. Thanks. <laughs> I completely just yeah, buzzed Yeah, you ruined killed. everything. You ruined everything. God damn it. <laughs> I loved all those. Do you have a fun fact for me to kind of just, like, bring that back? I can tell you about... For you, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> I can tell you about a Japanese torture. <laughs> Ooh, yes, So what tell they would me. do is they would hang you upside down, and they would put your head in a hole, and they would close the, the hole with a piece of wood, right, around your neck. But what they would do is they would stab you. Right in the artery. So you would bleed while you're upside down so you wouldn't pass out. And you would slowly bleed to death that way. But you'd be conscious the whole time. Oh my god. You're basically being slaughtered like a pig. Good times. On that note, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Check out our website. Yada yada. And And there we are. I never know how to end these things. No, neither do I. How about like an awkward moment of silence? How about that? Okay. Okay, ready? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I can't keep a straight face. Okay, bye. Okay, fantastic. So we'll see you next yep. week. Okay, okay bye. bye. Goodbye. <laughs>